Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Armory 33 Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Quinn. Today I am joined by one of my favorite co-workers, Mike. Mike, how are we doing today? Pretty awesome. Is it because today's your weekend? Well, it's the end of my weekend. The end of your weekend? But, yes. Hey, I had one day off, and I chose to spend it with you. Again, you could have made better life decisions, I know. you chose not to. Hey, we had a good day off, though. I mean, we shot some guns. We did. We did. I found a new toy I want to purchase, which is never good. How come every time I'm around you, it makes me go further into the hole of things I want to buy later on? I already have all the cool stuff. It's the only reason I can come up with. I mean, that's up to you. Last week, it was your 6'5 Creedmoor. I apologize. That was fully suppressed? Yes. Beautiful gun. It is. Sounds like a crack of a whip. Yes. Today, it was your... 9mm carbine. Your fully suppressed 9mm carbine. Yes. That cracked a little bit more than the 6.5 did. That was the ammo we were running through. What we were shooting, not anything different. If we would have went with a heavier projectile, that would not have happened. Okay. See, this is why I hang out with you, because you know a lot more than I do, with me being a newer shooter you've been shooting for how long now oh god you're gonna make me do math well you're 40 so i am not oh i thought you were close to it i'll be 35 this year that's close to 40 i'm closer to 40 than i am 25 yes (laughs) but i'm still not 40 there's a difference five years is that different i'm glad you can do math i can do quick i I can see your high school education paid off is it over 12 years oh yeah okay definitely is it over 20 yes okay so you probably right around 29 or 30 years. So you've been shooting since you were knee-high to a grasshopper? Pretty much, yes. Okay. Wouldn't say I'm that great at it. I mean, there are much better shots than I, but... I mean, but you have more knowledge than I do, so that's why I come to you at work and be like, Mike, I need help with this customer. And that's what I'm there for, is to help. I thought you were there for comic relief. Well, that too. Okay. I know why we're both at work, because we get shit done. Usually, yes. Yeah. So, we shot some things. We did shoot some things. We fine-tuned some everyday things that we need. Yes. Especially with me mowing my grass today and finding coyote poop less than 20 yards from my kitchen window yes so we took care of that problem for when that happens mm. now just to get some night vision and thermal that's if the discussion only, you got to have with the wife uh, not me only, can help you spend your money if i only knew a place where i could get night visions and thermals uh, you may know a place i may know a couple people that have like i can borrow them from too but mm, possibly let's get right into it so mike what is your edc or as normal people would know it as your everyday carry when you leave the house every day what weapon wise are you making sure you have on you? That depends on the situation. Let's just say you're going out grocery shopping. Most likely. Again, I will say it depends on the situation because it changes throughout the year. Most of the time, it is probably a six-hour 365. Really? Not your other toy you brought with you today. I'm talking about the suppressed one. That is usually wintertime. That's why I said it changes throughout Mm, the year because wintertime, it is usually... Gen 5? Yes. So you're like a video game character where you have different outfits and you have different accessories. Yeah. Depending on what you want to dress yourself in. When your biggest decisions throughout the day when you're getting ready to leave the house, what sidearm do I take and what knife do I pair with it? Yeah, they're kind of hard decisions sometimes. See, I made that decision really easy because I had a SIG 320, got rid of that. Had a Hellcat, got rid of that. Now I'm stuck with my good old reliable Glock 17 Gen 3, which I had Cerakoted to match my arm. Okay. My EDC, and it's probably from the time I get out of the shower and dressed to the time I go to bed, it's usually on my hip or on a very close proximity. 
as it should be. Yeah, I mean, hey, home defense is no joke in this day and age. Just the general's note is no joke this day and age. You never know where you're going to be, and in your situation, you never know what you're going to have in your hands at the time, so you have to be a little bit more prepared. Yeah, and especially in the line of business you and I are both in, working in the firearm industry, we never know when... Something could potentially go wrong. I was going to say shit hit the fan, but yeah. Which, I mean, the people we work with are somewhat trained to the best of their abilities, so... Some of them. I, Not all of them. I really don't think that our place of business would be a good spot to try anything stupid. No. I mean, where we're located, I really don't think any business in the theater that we play in is a good idea. No, no. You look like you have a question. Yeah, I was trying to think of something. I don't even know where my train of thought was going on that one. And there's the train derailment. Already, and we're not even 10 minutes into an episode. Guess what you don't see on this desk? There is no whiskey. Yeah, and that's probably a good thing considering the day we just had. Yeah, considering the past four months we just had that too oh, the whiskey ran dry those couple of months yeah it happens you said sig 365 or my glock 19 or your glock 19 there are a few others in inventory that come out for special occasions but not very often special occasions as in like black divers because you got that james bond gun don't you no that that is one that will come eventually but not i think everybody we work with whenever we bring that gun out to put it on display everybody's like oh i want that because james bond had it that's the only logical reason to own a PPK. Yeah. I mean, it's, in my opinion, a substandard caliber for what it is. It is a bigger, heavier gun than what you can get that caliber chambered in. So why carry a bigger, heavier gun in a substandard caliber when you can get something smaller, lighter in that better. same caliber and or a slightly bigger caliber in a gun the same size with a little bit less weight for carry purposes? I work yesterday. I brought some new toys up for us to play with in the showroom. Not to play with. You're never supposed to play with firearms. You are always supposed to treat guns as they were loaded. But this is going to get cause a lot of controversy between us and listeners. Taurus revolvers are out in the showroom now. Okay. Six and a quarter inch barrel. Yes. 357. Okay. I don't know why. I held it. I won it. I already have a Taurus G2C over in the safe. Don't ask me why. That was the first one I bought myself when I got into needing home protection. It's what I could afford. But yes, a six and a quarter inch barrel. 357 seven round revolver takes up half of the case as it would and it's not that heavy my question is compared to some of the other things we carry in shop why that particular one because if i bought a uberti i would not want to shoot it okay you know what i mean i should have clarified the uberti the single action yes 1873s being the exception yes because they are more of a niche yeah there's a specific market for them and some people might use them specifically as display pieces but we do carry other revolvers yes kimber though my question to you was though why since you brought them up why that taurus over one of the four inch kimbers because i don't believe they do a six currently bigger is always better in certain circumstances yes i mean the firearm industry where we work bigger is always better unless you have an sbr because those are nicer yes those are nicer. but if we're gonna say bigger is always better i'm not gonna lug around a 50 cal or a 338 lapua we will segue into why did the navy seals not go with the hk mark 23 
I don't because it was a big boat anchor that only shot 45 instead of a rifle. HK was trying to convince them to replace their rifles with a 45 caliber handgun. And that's just not smart. No. I mean, you've seen them. You know yeah. how big they are. You, yeah. No. Why? They were looking at it. The SEALs were looking at it as more of a sidearm yeah, not, than a primary upper, the head shed of the military. And HK were looking at it as a complete replacement of primary rifle. No, I would Ex- stick with a rifle more than a 45 handgun as a primary. Yes. For n- numerous reasons, your first one, obviously, is your magazine capacity, is what you can carry. Yes. I'd rather go 30 than 17. Yes. You can get optics to put on a rifle. Granted, you can get a red dot to put on a pistol. Or Now. Yeah, now. Back when this whole idea was going on, that was, I mean, red dots on rifles were still kind of a new thing back then. So they're not, they were not as widely accepted as they are by today's standards. And when it comes to a red dot on a handgun, it is still very much in, in its infancy stage when it comes to actually being being used. I, I've noticed that because even with what all the stuff we carry at work, we don't have a lot of pistol red dots minus the SIG stuff. I mean, Leopold makes some, Vortex makes some, and then you have a couple of the off-brands, the Athlons and Burrs yeah, and everything Hollow like that. Hollow Sun, those guys. Yeah, but... But when you look at it, the leading manufacturer of all that for how many years has been Trigicon. Yep. That is the gold standard for a handgun-mounted red dot. It is Trigicon. RMR, I believe. The, the no. RMR, the RMRCC, which yeah, is meant for the smaller, more compact yeah. handguns. What, what I really wish is I just wish handgun manufacturers would just start cutting slides if it optics. Because I don't want them to do the issue there being there, there's no industry standard for it. So everybody does things yeah. a little differently because they feel their way's better. I just don't want to have to spend extra money that I don't that most people normally don't have to buy a new optic cut slide for their gun. You can do that, or you have the factory slide permanently modified if it's not already done. Mine is not. Neither of mine are optic cut slides, which I really wish they were. But then at the same time, that's when you get into it where you have to get a whole new holster. You have to get a whole new setup. Not always. Sometimes. Not always. I know. When I had the Hellcat, I had to get a new holster for that optic cut. I mean, I'm right now. I'm looking at getting a Surefire flashlight for my everyday carry. Guess what? That's two new holsters I need to buy because I have my inside the waistband and my outside the waistband. My recommendation there is, if you're searching for new holsters, already plan on them being optics cut. Yep. Buy them already done. Yep. Because if it's not, if the optics not on there, it's not hurting anything. But you're not going out of your way to buy yeah. more gear but when have, that time comes along. It's what I tell people at work when I'm trying to sell them something. Would you rather have it now when you don't need it and then not have it when you need it? Buy the expensive one. Nine <laughs> times out of ten, how many deals do we close basically telling people that in, in one way or another? Quite a few, but you got to look at it from both standpoints. Yeah. And everybody's walk of life is a little bit different. Not yeah. everybody can afford yeah. the best option out yeah. there. So you have to find something that still good enough enough to get the job done but stays within budget yeah which if you're anything like me you have an allowance before you can go up and buy something nice that happens sometimes then you've got other people on the other side of things who or you got another option where 
you're both our doctors and have no children. Oh, hey, you leave my favorite customer a... out of this conversation. I can't wait to have him on the podcast. That's going to be a great episode. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Just because like we see what he brings into us on like a weekly basis or on a monthly basis. Yes. But, yep. I mean, with us opening our new showroom, he was in there and he was like a kid in the candy store. He always is. Yeah. he He's our version of Grantham. He, he is our Grantham. They do look like they could be twins. I don't know. Ours might be a little bit bigger in the arms. Now, probably yes. All right. Now, you everyday carry. Do you only have the one mag with you, the mag that's in your gun, or are you carrying a spare? Again, it depends on the circumstances for me. Most times, I have a spare. Won't say it's always on my person, but it's usually within arm's reach at all times. But when I'm driving, I think I keep a spare mag in a mag pouch that's clipped on the inside of my console, where it's easily accessible, where if I have to, you know what I mean? Yes. Which I pray I never have to pull my gun when I'm driving, but you never know. Sometimes you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. My caveat there is one thing I want you to start thinking about when we're talking about things like this there are things you need to think about and kind of warp the way you think a little bit and look at it more from the dark side of things and not always sunshine and rainbows and unicorn fart i think those are words i never thought i'd hear somebody mention on this podcast unicorn farts everybody that's this episode is going to be titled now unicorn farts i hope you're happy well it is what it is we'll read this the title they're gonna be like that's a picture of a bullet and they're labeled unicorn i don't know well they'll have to listen and find out but getting back on getting back on topic you had mentioned about putting a spare mag in a mag pouch center console somewhere in the vehicle yep think for a second though what happens to that if you are in some type of accident where does it go bye bye because it's going to be confiscated no not not oh you mean i'm talking law enforcement ems have not shown up oh you are in an accident Where's that mag? Not on my person where I need it to be. But nine times out of ten, it's only in my truck when I'm driving. Because as soon as I get out of the truck and I'm going in somewhere or I'm out and about, I slide it and I appendix carry it. Yes. Which is one of those things you want on you when you need it. I don't appendix carry my gun. That's always on my hip. Because I feel like it's a easier... It's easier for me to get to since I'm a bigger guy. My stomach's not in the way. It all comes down to training. Yeah. It all comes down to training and what you're comfortable with. Yeah. I... Depending on the firearm, I am okay with appendix carry. Carry. Not that we're not jumping around here all over the place, but hey, it is what it is today. There's no script. This episode was just thrown together. We literally sat here for five minutes before we hit the record button for the third time. I am okay with appendix carry if you are carrying the right type of firearm. Because with a hammer-fired gun, if a piece of clothing or something is in that holster that is going to manipulate that trigger and potentially set that gun off you're going to feel that hammer move under your thumb. If you are holstering correctly, thumb over hammer, you're going to feel that hammer move under your thumb, which is going to give you some type of indication that something is not right. As to where if you're using a striker-fired gun, like a Glock or a SIG 320 or anything that is striker-fired, you're not going to you're not gonna have any inkling that something is wrong until all of a sudden something goes pop and all of a sudden, unless you are extremely trained and paying attention, you've got a lot more problems yes. that hopefully it does not hit something important. Do you know who the podcast is sponsored by? Who? Dubby. There you go. Dubby Energy Drink. 
It is a healthy alternative to those energy drinks you and I survived on for the past couple of months together. Yeah. It is a powder base. You mix it with 12 to 24 ounces of water, whatever your cup or bottle can hold. Shake it up, and they have a variety of great flavors. What are some of those flavors? We have blue raspberry. We have beach and peach, which is a mango and peach flavored. It tastes like peach tea. Okay. The gamer sludge, which is the one we tried the other day where we thought it was green apple due to the packaging, but it actually turns out to be bubblegum flavored. That was not my personal favorite, but I have horror stories from my childhood. It's growing on me. Bubblegum flavored things. It's growing on me. Cost. But no, they're always coming out with new flavors. They just celebrated their two-year anniversary, and they came out with, they call it Cali Creamsicle. It's an orange creamsicle flavor. I'm waiting to get that one shipped to me. Really want to try that. Oh, yes. Sounds good. W.GG. Use the code Armory33 to save 10% off of your purchase. I trust me, I would not be plugging them as much as possible without trying it myself. And Mike, you've seen me the past couple of weeks at work. We've been going 10, 12 hour days, it feels like. I have a cup of coffee in the morning. The rest of the day, I have my two scoops of dubby. And do I stop moving at all? It's like the Energizer Bunny, folks. Just it's, keep on going. It's quite comical sometimes. Yeah, especially the other day when I was running around with my head cut off. Because I didn't know what I was doing. But yes, W.GG. Use the code Armory33 for 10% off your purchase. Every little bit helps the podcast. We greatly appreciate them. And on top of that, I forgot, they sent me a flag. It's in the bar. It's hanging in the bar. They did. It's a great flag. It's the perfect flag for the for the podcast. Yes, it is. Look at that posted up on social media. I question. lost all train of thought. Hey, we were talking about energy, and I just thought it was a perfect segue. I have seen firsthand shooting competitively over the years. I forgot about that. You are a competitive shooter. I have seen firsthand when things go wrong and garments get caught in holsters and don't get cleared out of the way before you put the gun back in the holster. See, that's I am very particular because my Glock's full size mm-hmm. and it rubs. So I have to wear like an undershirt, but I'll tuck that in mm-hmm. and then I'll put my belt on, I'll put my holster on and I'll put my gun in before I put my regular shirt on. Mm-hmm. And I always make sure that if I'm reholstering, everything is out of the way. It's pulled up, it's pulled to the yep. back. It's lifted. It's tucked somewhere. But I mean, I wish I could just get away with wearing my gun belt all day long. But I think we might get yelled at for at work for that. I don't know if they'd yell so much as they would have questions. They would definitely have questions. Would they the? Oh no, they would definitely have questions. I don't know if it would be so much yelling, but there would definitely be questions, and there would definitely some very be questionable fun. looks we would get to. Yes, but you want to talk <laughs> about your competitive shooting? How long have you been doing that for? Oh boy, um, it really wasn't a question to you. You want to talk about it i was asking you actually i was kind of demanding you talk about it yeah that that kind of figured that i have not been doing so much competitive shooting in the last few years just due to work getting in the way and scheduling conflicts and i'll be honest with you i can't remember honestly how long i've been doing it what's your favorite thing to do competitive shooting wise because i know there's correct me if i'm wrong but like i said i'm new to shooting in general mm-hmm. so you can have long-range competitive shooting yes and there- there's 22s there's, there's so the many different calibers. variations of competitive long-range rifle shooting that we could do an episode on each one of those and practically get absolutely nowhere. And that's not including the handgun side of things. That sounds like our typical days together. We'll, we're going to do everything and still not make a dent in what we have to get done. Exactly. I, mean, I would love to run a handgun slash R kind of course. 
course. I mean, I've watched... Are, are you talking like training course? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. I've done some training courses, but they're not, they weren't like, like, they weren't specifically hands-on ones. Okay. They were like clearing, like police clearing procedures and law enforcement kind of procedures where there was really no shooting involved. Okay. It was just... Here's how and why we do X, Y, and Z. Okay, let's segue into that because I've got a comment I want to make here. Why do they tell you in those classes they do what they do or why they do what they do? It was standing operating procedures. Okay. Coming from more of the civilian side of things and having taken some courses with some pretty big names who videos out there on YouTube. I'll make the shameless plug. We're talking about Clint out at Thunder Ranch okay. in Oregon. When I took my carbine course out there, I was basically told that you don't clear a building unless you absolutely have to. Meaning, the only time you clear a building is if you absolutely have to. Law enforcement is nowhere to be around and you have a loved one like a wife or a child in that building and you know for 100% certainty they are in there. That is the only time you do that. Well, it was more of not necessarily clearing a building, it was room clearing. Because this same was... Di- same difference. Whether it's a room, yeah. whether it's a... I mean, because again, that was one of the parts of the class and he stressed very, very highly. I'm teaching you how to do this so so you don't have to do this. Yeah. And that is almost verbatim. I won't throw the extra words that may or may not have been <laughs> the used expletives in there. But that being said, it was basically don't do this under any circumstances unless it is your only option. Prime example. Before we moved into this house, we had a house in town. Okay. My wife was at work. She worked her second job. So she was out of the house from about 3.30 to 9.30 at night. Okay. I was at home. I went down to Harrisburg. You know, just did some things down there. And I came home and I was coming down the side street and I could see our house. And the basement light was on. The upstairs bedroom light was on in in our middle room. And it looked like the kitchen light was on as well. So before I called the PD, which I probably should have called them first, I made went around back of the house, made sure everything was locked up, made sure there was no forced entry, and the back door was unlocked. It wasn't a jar, it was unlocked, but I thought about it where I was like, well, this can go two different ways here. So I made the right call. I called our local PD. They were there less than three minutes, and they asked me exactly how the house is set up. I told them exactly how doors open, where the hallway blind spots were, top the stairs there's three different rooms all within like right next to each other and they're like okay here the light switch was never turned off fully so lights were on but it was still one of those things where yeah you never know exactly you never know in this day and age and i kind of my training that i took kind of kicked in and you know i was able to help the pd out yeah and you don't want to you don't want to enter a situation you don't have to that being said if Again, you have a loved one involved that you don't have knowledge of exactly where they're at or that they can handle their own in a situation like this. That is a call that you have to make as an individual. I'm by no means, or are we recommending that you take anybody? Yeah, no, don't take action into your own hand unless you absolutely have to. And you are the last line of defense. Yes. 
Call the people that are trained in doing this. Call Just call the people that are trained to do this. That's it. Plain and simple. That is the best option. I mean, that is what they get underpaid to do. That is true. And I will stress the fact of underpaid underpaid by quite a bit because, well, I have friends and family in law enforcement all over the country at just about every level. I can tell you every single one of them is underpaid for what they do. And I will sit and have this argument till I am blue in the face with anybody that wants to have it. Hey, you're not going to have that argument with me. Law enforcement, nurses, and educators. All underpaid. Am I preaching thin blue line? Sure. Am I going to sit there and tell you every single cop in the country or in the world is in the right in everything they do? No. No. We've all seen times where they're not. But 99% of the time. Prime example. We're going to go off topic here. This might touch a couple of nerves. This might set a few off. Yes. Did you see who was talking about? Did you see who was released from prison after serving one year? That female officer who shot that kid who thought it was her taser? Oh. I don't know about you, but on my gun belt, I know every square inch of that belt forward and backwards. I've I've got my own thoughts on that and I All I'm gonna um, say is I think she was in the wrong and she knew what she was doing. She was definitely in the wrong, my friend. I mean oh. there's no doubt in my mind there. Having, again, had this discussion with every member of my family that is in law enforcement, every cop I know, they all say, basically said the same thing you did. Mm-hmm. We know our gear. That being said, I believe at the time I read an article that said she had had almost 20-some years of experience yeah. in law enforcement at the time. Yeah. I do not know anybody in that line of work that has had that kind Many of... years of... That would have made that mistake. No. And everybody I know know that is cleared to use both lethal and non-lethal if they are running a taser everybody that i know personally which again every from local law enforcement all the way up to many federal branches is running their taser cross draw on their off side For those of you that don't know what that means. If you're right-handed, it's on your left-handed side. And your the grip of said taser is backwards. So when you grab it with your dominant hand, it It's on your off side. Correctly, you're yes. Not, yeah, you're grabbing it with your dominant for, hand. So for me, it would be grab with my being my left side being dominant. I grab with my left hand, but it's on my right side. Yep. So the, for lack of better terms, pistol grip of said taser is pointing backwards away from me towards my front, unlike my sidearm, which would be dominant side, left-handed, butt of gun yep. facing towards the back of me. Butt to butt for your, for your sidearm, for your yes. primary. But your taser is... Your, the group of your taser is facing forward. Yes. It's facing every way you're facing. And that is every single yep. cop that I know. But no, I saw that. that is, I saw that on our local news last night. I was like, ooh. I don't see how that mistake is made. No. Uh, again, are mistakes made? Yes. Yes. Do I condone anybody saying a cop's job is not hard? No, I, I do not. Because, again, most of the people that are running their mouths about, oh, you know, they, they should have, you know, taken that extra split second to think. You don't have that extra split second. You don't have that ability. You don't have that ability at all. It's been scientifically um, proven that a cop has to draw their gun on somebody that has a knife out. Was it 25 feet? 21 foot roll. 21 which they have extended now. It is not by today's, I forget exactly what it is, but. By today's standards, even the 21-foot roll is out. I always thought it was 25. No, it, I think it's even further than that now. But it was the 21-foot roll for many a years. And what we mean by that is 
within the distance of 21 feet for an officer to draw their gun and shoot if they need to be. The assailant needs to be 21 feet away from them. That was what they deemed was, quote unquote, a safe distance. Yes. But that being said, again, getting back to the whole situation, anybody that sits there and says, oh, cops have plenty of time to think. Nope. I implore you, find somewhere to take a force-on-force training class. Find out how much time you really don't have to think when you've got another person involved. And they have a mind of their own. They're not working out of your brain. They have an agenda. You're throwing a wrench into their plan. So now, for them, basically, it's a fight-or-flight response. Well, it is for both. It's just a matter of who's going to win that fight. Should we switch this to the favorite topic of the podcast now? Oh boy, this could get dangerous. Should we talk about our top five list? We can do that. Okay. Our top five list for today, barring any legal paperwork or money. So no legality problems. So we're talking anything firearms related you're you're allowed to own we're talking the nfa doesn't exist in the united states we're talking the atf doesn't all that's off the table everything's legal okay let's get into our top five guns we wish we could own here's the bad thing mine are all obtainable because like i said me being a newer person to shooting and the firearm industry all mine are obtainable it's just a financial thing yes exactly some of mine are obtainable I think only one of mine are financially obtainable but it's still going to take a little bit of time some of mine are not obtainable due to federal rules and regulations but we're not, not get... saying that in other countries outside the united states that these items are not legally able to be had by civilians yes. because in some countries they are do you want to start us off with your number five my number five and as always which i know this isn't going to take place in this one but if something's on one person's list you need to have a backup no double dipping well unless unless it was like today's range day because we're not stacking over we're not stacking our groups well how what are we going to consider a double same gun okay so exact same thing yes okay because there's as we know with our line of work there is variations upon variations i will start with the HK-417. Okay. Do you want to explain that a little bit? That is a fully automatic 308 battle rifle made by HK. Why 308, though? Because in my opinion, in my opinion, it doesn't in this matter. case is valid, no. oh. it is still a viable battle cartridge. I don't care what anybody says. I'm not saying I want to get hit by a 5.56. I don't want to get hit by a 22. No, I don't want to do it. But when it comes down to it, I would rather throw a bullet and carry a little bit more weight and ammo than a smaller bullet and have more capacity. It's a personal choice. Also, 308 is one of those ammos that's readily available. Like, you can go anywhere and find 308. Yes. Usually, the last couple years being an exception. Usually, yes, it's one of the. It's kind of like having a hunting rifle chambered in thirty odd six. You can find it. I have a hunting rifle. My hunting rifle chambered in three eight. I got a couple boxes. I I contribute to the cuts. All right, so that was my number five. My number five. This this is actually a two part because I need both of these to work perfectly. So so you're gonna technically have no because one of them is not a weapon. Okay. What? Let me rephrase it. It is a weapon, but it is not a fire. Okay. I want a 1990 or just a 90s Toyota pickup with a mod deuce on the back of it. Okay. So for those of you that don't know, he specifically said he wants a Toyota Hilux, but he won't come out and say it. It just needs to be a 90s pickup truck with a Browning M2 mounted on the back of it. I'm 
going to keep my comment to myself and not go down that road because I want this podcast to air. Yeah. I want this episode to air. I don't want to get flagged for saying we're something. Or you're going to get flagged. But, oh, we're probably going to get flagged, but yeah. we're not going to go that far down that rabbit hole. Yeah. But okay. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If... In this dream sequence, I own thousands of acres in an area that I don't have anybody around. It has nothing to do, that, my comment had nothing to do with. You're probably had, your comment, knowing you for the time I've known you, your comment probably has something to do with the Middle Eastern people. I have no comment about my comment having anything to do with that type of comment. We're just going to let it at that. Therefore, I don't know. But my mind goes zombie apocalypse style. You're going to have somebody drive and somebody can be in the back just raining hellfire with a 50 cal. Okay. Tell me that would not be badass. I know people that have actually been in the back of a Toyota Hilux doing that overseas. So, yes. See? Being said, I, I have not been there doing that, but I, I want it. do have personal friends that have been there, done that, have that so, t-shirt. if I tell you I bought a 1990. 90s era Toyota pickup truck. You better take things away from me at work. Um, if we have one of those come into work, just a 50 cal in general. I mean, at that point in time, if I'm already halfway there, okay, All right. I'm already halfway there. Okay, so that was your number five. That's a pretty good number five, though, isn't it? I, for the fun aspect of it, yes, yeah. Because my thing that. is, I don't know which one of you assholes I would trust driving it, because I'm I'm probably gonna end up the one. Well, it's definitely me, duh. For those of you that don't know, I am disabled and have to drive with hand controls. So it would get fun. But that being said, let's move on with this list. Mike, what's your number four? My number four, I'm going to stick with our friends from Germany, and I am going to go with an HKG36. What is up with you and HKs? I don't know what it is today. Just um, today? No, it's it's not just today, but we were saying everything's off the table. That is true. Everything is obtainable. It's just, it's one of those guns. It's, it's a very iconic gun for them, and they're not, in today's world in the United States, they are not civilian obtainable. Okay. So I'm going with things hey, that are Hey, we set the rules, so, you know, you... Necessarily civilian obtainable. That's quite all right. I like it. I like it. You're thinking outside of the box. Where I, mine are just wish things I could have over in my safe right now. Well, mine is pickup truck, because that's not going to fit down in my basement. Well, there's that. Yeah. Are you ready for my number four? Okay, go to with your number four. My number four, again, is another two-parter. I want an M16 with an M203 attachment. For those that don't know, an M16 rifle with an M203 attachment is a rifle with a... A grenade launcher number three so this is my last unobtainium a mark 19 which for those of you that don't know is an iron man suit eight no it is Sorry, a, i had to get my dad joke in there for the episode it is a fully automatic belt fed grenade launcher because who wouldn't want a fully automatic belt fed grenade launcher if you could legally own one hey i still want to get that beanbag launcher and test it out with people from work i you're gonna pay me to, you're gonna pay i me was to not it. gonna do any such thing sir you have no proof of that all right my number three and that's coming to our place of business a couple times okay. to get optics refitted for it fn scar 17 why because it's nice yes it looks like it has an ugg boot attached to it so i'm going to take that off the table right away I, you're not going to make fun of the boot oh i'm going to make fun because of the ugg boot I'm i can gonna... change that i can change that buttstock the 16 and 17 are both yes. ugg boots yes and i'll fight anybody that wants to right, stop we're, <laughs> we're not fighting anybody <laughs> that wants to why debate that fight it's just one of those things that i don't want to debate it looks like an ugg boot it does all right so that was your number three number three so we're on to my number two for eight grand i can have one yes you can so my number two is still i mean it's 
It is obtainable even by today's standards. Financially, it is not obtainable. So that would be a M60. So that being said, again, for those of you that don't know, that is a fully automatic 308 machine gun. So what I've learned about you this this episode is you love H&Ks and you like 308s. Yeah, because when you find out what number one is... If number one's another 308, you're not ever allowed to back here again. Well, then I guess this is my last episode, <laughs> folks. So it's uh, been nice talking to you. I'll make an exception for you. Is, it, you done? is what, it my number two time? What do you got for number two? I want a Tommy gun. Okay, <laughs> since we're going back to the roaring 20s, we have... I want a Tommy gun. I don't know why. They're nice. They're bulky as heck, though. They I've had one in person before. Mm-hmm. Never fired one, but I feel like it'd be... A, I have done both. Um, I feel like it would be a very nice conversation. Oh, it's definitely a, a conversation a, starter. Very nice display piece for the armory and bar. I hope you don't like having any money because... My list is Full auto 45 is... That's expensive. That takes a lot of money to feed that pig. Coming from the guy that wants full auto 308. Yeah, that Um, gets expensive. Yeah, both. All right, so on to my number one. Again, I would do a drum roll, but I don't have the sound pad, so... Uh, Again, we're going... 308. Full auto 308. There's a theme to today's Is it made from aging? No, this one is not. This one is made from Browning. Ah. We are going to go with the Browning BAR. Specifically, a short-barreled version. The little brother to the saw. No, that was the Or the big brother to the saw. That was the M60. Ah. That was what we just spoke about. I was taking us back to, again, the roaring 20s of, you know, Bonnie and Clyde having... I was going more Al Capone. Well... For the time ago. Yeah, but same general time frame within a couple years. Why wouldn't you want a BAR short barrel? Again, not necessarily the most effective thing for range, but... Up close and personal. It'll get the job done. All right. So that was your number one. My number one, which you have yet to make the phone call for me. Uh, I want a fully suppressed honey badger with an EOTech optic. Okay. That's obtainable. That is. Not financially. I, I just don't know why that's your number one. I mean, that to each their own, it, it's everybody's individual list. Yes. So therefore, I you do you, boo-boo. I will do me. I, that would have not even made my list, obviously. Yeah, because it can't be chambered. Well, it probably could be chambered in 308. But, Mike, thank you for taking time out of your lovely day off which is now raining and cut our rain day short. We shot, I shot some guns. You shot a gun. Okay. okay. I mean, we, that... we came, we shot, we talked about it. We're leaving. Well, that we are. All right, everybody. By the way, this is episode eight. I apologize for the long breaks between episodes. Life gets busy, especially when you work retail in the firearm industry right before turkey season. Well, I mean, let's be honest. There was another episode in there that we tried to do that yeah. did not pan out yeah. due to audio recordings. So there's that. I mean, if you're going to tell them, you might as well tell them. This is still episode 8. It is. It's eight. This is like 8.2 if you think about it. We redid it. Well, probably 8.3 because we had to restart this one a couple times. All right. Everybody, have a fantastic weekend, and we will hopefully see you next week. See ya.